you go to Riot Fest? Yeah. We love going to Riot Fest. I'm going to Riot Fest next weekend. Yeah? Yeah. Do you not? Have you ever been to Riot Fest? Mm-mm. Do you, you have no interest in going to Riot Fest? I'm not a huge outdoor concert fan. I'm not a huge concert fan. Mm. Anyone good? Yeah, it's actually a little light this year, um, but there's a couple... And, it's always sad when, you know, you've, you've said, okay, like an outdoor festival, they've, they've got dozens and dozens of bands, and you've decided it is worth it because of these 10 bands, right? That's a good value, 10 bands over three days. And then, like, two of the bands are up against each other. So the tours are up against Ween, and Ween is doing one of their entire albums, and it's a two-hour show. So you got to pick. It's always a little disappointing. I do... I'm not a huge huge concert person. Erica loves huge concerts. But what I have uh, come to love about Riot Fest is if you just is going in and being like, well, I'm here all day. So any value I get out of a show is, you know, justifies the value of being here and to not stress about like running back and forth and trying to catch every show. Um, And I will, in fact, uh, take a book and sit at the way at the back, not try to crush up near the band. So, and then read. I had a really lovely time last year reading uh, Jessica Hopper's new book while listening to TV on the radio. And this year you can take, <laughs> can take this buddy with you. This year I can take it just with me. They'll be like, no, this is a weapon. Mm. <laughs> can't, get, can't bring it in. I can take my Kindle and then it can crash when I try to read the footnotes. <laughs> Speaking of endnotes, let's get this out of the way. How did you do? Are we recording? Yeah. How did, I mean, so we were texting today. I was... Texting you for encouragement because I was having a hard time this week. In general or because of that endnote? In general. Okay. I'm sorry that you're having a hard time. You became my app. Oh, good. Um, Your little encourage, your infinite encourage app? (laughs) Did we come up with a name for it? I don't remember. No, we didn't. Okay, infinite encourage app. But it needs something more obscure and, like, ridiculous than Mm, that, right? mm, mm -hmm. Um, No, uh, unlike you, I cannot cram this book. Like, I can't cram a bunch of reading into one day. And so I did that to myself this week, and that's my fault. And I hit the end note and was like, I can't do this. I finished reading the pages we had to read. And then I was so distressed by that end note that I didn't even want to look up any other end notes after that one. Because I was just like, I, I don't know. I was just over it. Well, yeah. So. Like, uh, and you read it. So you can summarize if there's any valuable information contained in those Ten pages? Ten pages. Ten pages of EndNote, which we've established is a smaller font size oh. than the normal pages. So it's probably like 12 pages of normal reading. It did inspire one thing in me. All right. Let's put a pin in that, unless you want to knock it out right now. Because I just want to talk about the experience of hitting that EndNote. Oh, Because oh, I want to say... Wait. Go ahead. That was one of the things that I was thinking about this week was the emotional journey that reading this book has taken me on, Mm. which I think you're going to talk about, too. Well, no, talk about that. Well, I guess emotional journey isn't necessarily the correct term, but, like, the feelings that this book makes me have about reading it. And what are those feelings? Well, I guess I was thinking about last week when I was kind of low energy and I wasn't very into, like, talking about it. And I think it was because it wasn't that unpleasant to read last week. Mm. Like, there was more, like, it was more satisfying. Right. Last week was pretty narrative, and there was stuff happening in that narrative. Yeah. I feel like this week may be a little less so. I was just going to talk about the logistics of, uh, you You mentioned, like, breaking, I, I do often do this in, like, two power chunks, right? I'll read, I'll read a Infinite Summer 70-page or 40, 45 page chunk in one night and then oh. the next night I'll read another 45 page chunk this week 
because of Labor Day, I just pinned where we are in time. Um, because of Labor Day, I did, really didn't do anything over the weekend, and then I didn't do anything Monday, so I just had Tuesday and Wednesday. So I guess I must have read, but I was very proud. So this is, this is the not to belabor exactly when I read what, but I was really proud. I broke up the second. I, I had did just enough planning. I guess I got started reading on Monday that I only had 15 pages left that I needed to read last night. And, and I sat down and I was like, I have done this so well. I only have 15 pages to read. <laughs> and then it was like, and then I hit you. the end note, the 10 page <laughs> end note. And my heart sank. And I was just like, no, no. And it's, I was thinking it's purely an artifact of this schedule we're on, right? If you were just reading this book organically, if you can imagine someone doing that. No, I can't. Okay. <laughs> there, there have to be people in the world who have just sat down and decided to read this book and read it, yeah. you know, 10 pages here and then get really excited and read 70 pages there and then, you know, five pages. You could hit that 10 page end note if you weren't on this schedule and just go, oh, well, this is where <laughs> this is where I'm going to pause for today's reading. But I was like, I, oh, and it was so close to the end. Yeah. It was like yeah. three pages away from the, I was like racing along. I was going, okay, here we go. We're almost done. And what? What is this? And then, well, we could talk about the end note maybe when we get there, I guess. If we Do want to we rewind. even need to go through this? This being my, my little list of everything that happened in this section? I guess not. It's just a, it's a chronological way to organize it. I, we could just go into complaints. <laughs> Complaint corner. That's me trying to hit my head on the mic. Donk, donk. If you... No, let's talk about this. I, just, I don't know. It, maybe it'll be useful to jog the memory, the mind grapes. The mind grapes. So this week we read pages 242 to 316, including a 10-page endnote. Oren called Hal at the very beginning, and they talked for a long time about questions Oren was getting from Helen, the reporter who is actually a spy in drag. I didn't get that. You didn't get that? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm 90, I'm 90% certain. I'm not great at these things, you know, when, and there's so many characters, but I'm pretty sure that Helen is the same person that was standing next to the wheelchair assassin when they were having that conversation. So it was and steeply? I think it's, yeah, it's steeply. And I think it's meant to be humorous that Oren is attracted, finds him attractive. See, him, okay, this just speaks to how my brain is completely closed off to picking up these very obvious things because this book just pummels you. Okay, go ahead. And then that's why this, I mean, it's, it's part of the investigation is why she's grilling him on why Helen, I'm not sure what pronouns to use for Helen, is grilling on, I suppose she's <laughs> presenting to Oren. Well, this was written in 1996, so you can just say, <laughs> whatever. faggot. <laughs> you, you can. <laughs> um, I'm not going to. Uh, but, yeah, I, I stopped noting, noting all of the, idiot, all of the uh, every time that word, word appeared. Yeah. I, st I was trying to keep track of it, and then there's just too many of them. Which is another discussion, a separate discussion about intent, I guess. They ought, like, yeah, I, I mean, it falls into that category of, like, maybe it's actually accurate for 14-year-olds or, you know, would have been in 1995 and... A lot of not much. He doesn't really seem to anticipate much social change in terms of any attitudes or anything, however far in the future this is. Even though he's anticipating a lot of other things happening in the future, that is not one of them that he put any thought into. Well, I'm not even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is lame. Yeah. We do not support. Yeah. So, the, so we get a oh, long. Wait, the cats have pulled something out of the closet. Is that? Is that your purse? No. Oh, it's a blanket. Okay. It's a weighted blanket that they like to chew on and get the glass beads out of. Okay. Just making sure. I mean, they shouldn't. <sighs> Where were we? All right. You were going through. You were going through. Well, so one thing I was going through was just uh, the note I have is uh, for this section is, do brothers talk like this to each other? <laughs> this is not. They. It was, I, I wouldn't know. Uh, no. But in my experience, I, no. I really want to look up, and I forgot to this week, whether David Foster Wallace is an only child. There That's are, a good point. There are these, I read somewhere a blurb or something about this, that, that this 
featured like one of literature's great eccentric families, right? And and I don't know if it, I don't know if this blurb made reference to or not, but like I was thinking about like the F. Scott Fitzgerald, the Glass family, and he's got all these stories about. I don't know that one. The Glass family, or is it Salinger? I'm an idiot. You know, oh, I think it is it Salinger. It's probably yeah. Salinger. All right, so JD Salinger in the Glass family. Oh, Zoe and Franny, Franny and Zoe and Fuzzy. Yeah, at yeah, <laughs> Fuzzy. Um, so, and there's this way that I don't know that I've known. I feel like I've known interesting families, and that they don't. There's a way right. So writers try to write interesting families that is not like any functional family I've ever known. I don't know. Hmm. I'm trying to think if I've known any eccentric families. I mean, not like this. I mean, like, is Mia Farrow? That's an eccentric Oh, my family. God. Well, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> that's a shit show. Oh, that's a, quite a <laughs> shit show of family. <laughs> that's the only family I can think of that you'd mm. be like, oh, yeah. I did write down in this section, uh, there's a part where they're talking about... Um, Athletes' superstitions, mm -hmm. and there's some you know, bug-eyed native, bug-eyed spear-rattling, grass-skirted primitive, and I was just like, Ugh, I've got, I've got now a symbol that I, it's just I put a big red, a big R for racist. I'm just like, <laughs> uh, racist. Yeah, like you're right. You just like you're like it's okay. This that citing the racism also for me like my enjoyment of looking up and learning new words. Like, is completely gone because it's like a hailstorm of words that you're constantly being like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Oh, I got to keep reading because I've got 50 more pages to read, you know? So anyway, yes. He tires you out, right? Tires you out. Then there's a long tennis, some tennis matches. What do we learn about that? The people play tennis. I don't remember anything important from that section. Uh, me neither. Then Gately at the Ennett House, and we meet a new a new entrant, Jeffrey Day. Another obnoxious character. Another another obnoxious character. I did look up uh, uh, about at, at, as I hit this section about two couple pages into that section. I looked up. I was pretty sure that David Foster Wallace was in, was a recovering addict, and so I looked up some information about that, and I found an article. Um, about his experience, his first experiences going into at age, I want to say 27, going into a recovery program for uh, marijuana and alcoholism. And because there are some really nice passages in here talking about withdrawal, not in that section, but like that ring very true, like seem to be like written from a place of someone who has experienced this. Yeah, and I wonder if the... And he was, at, at this age 27, was about to enter a graduate program at Harvard? I should remember all these details. But at one of the Ivy League schools and then had to had to take, a, a, a at the very least, a leave of absence from that. And so I wonder if the Jeffrey Day character, in some ways, is is him um is he if he's honestly dealing with the notions of some of the ways he may have acted as someone coming into a program like this and thinking he's better than the program yeah. and the excuses that someone makes and that the if gately is we're seeing it from gately's perspective and we is somewhat condescending to jeffrey day and talks about how he has, has to try to not strangle him and jeffrey but, day is written in that same voice of all of the Overeducated white male characters, which I guess is consistent with that, but it was kind of a bore to read. Yeah, if that's what it was, it's it maybe it's actually a perceptive on David Foster Wallace's part. Perceptive. Yeah, to to be able to see, I mean, from this other article that I read about DFW's experiences in recovery, the Jeffrey character sounds somewhat like he may have been and so oh, yeah, to to write that character from the perspective of an older more experienced character who has dealt better with his uh recovery that would be actually perceptive if it's not if he's making fun of somebody else then he's just a jerk yeah well hmm. Hmm. yeah there was lots of like characters 
talked about in that section that could possibly just be useless information, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that that's like the majority of <laughs> what we read, I feel like. And then we learn about Oren and his tennis um, background and then why he switched to football. Which was interesting. Yeah. What do you think of the prettiest girl of all time? It's Madame Psychosis. Yes. Yeah. But, and I just, what do you think about the way she's introduced in this section? And we learn that very definitely that Madame Psychosis wears this veil, but not because she is hideous, but instead because she is so beautiful that she makes men stammer and be unable to approach her. I don't know. I guess I haven't thought about it a lot. Okay. Because I was trying so hard to get through it. But I enjoyed learning more about her because I do think that she's interesting. She's an interesting character. Okay. And I guess I'm not completely convinced that something didn't happen to her. Mm, that she might be hideous I don't or know. something. Who knows? Yeah, just figured, well, yeah, I guess we have, we've got 800 pages to go. Who knows? <laughs> her dad was a chemist. Sure. Something could have happened. Yeah. I don't know. I just had a note that that I've the fact that she's so beautiful that men cannot stand to approach her without stammering or just won't even approach her, and that she's got red hair and green eyes. There's sort of a, a trope in like fan fiction, like sci-fi and fantasy fan fiction, of you know the the woman who is so beautiful that she's the most beautiful ever, and mm-hmm. she's usually redhead and usually no. It just it seemed it seemed. Uh, Lazy. Lazy. Or, and it seemed cliched. It just seemed to be, I don't know. Like, do we expect TFW to write interesting female characters? No. (laughs) Well. Like, he's going to deal with every other marginalized person in a really horrible way, so why would he treat women any differently? I guess it does actually make her most interesting, like, the most interesting thing we learn about her. Like, she's this object of distance, and then when he actually gets close, we learn that she's very, you know, is she started the, the passage about when she, he's watching her do cocaine mm-hmm. and about the experience of being with her while she's doing cocaine. And so we do learn that she's damaged when he gets close, that she's got this growing addiction. So, I don't know. Maybe the, gosh, did I actually give him credit for something? <laughs> <laughs> I have a note here that something about there's there's so much detail given to the technical aspects of filmmaking that is very frustrating to me because I've done some filmmaking. And you can tell what's true and what's not. Well, I guess it's partly frustrating in a way we were talking earlier about attitudes. It's frustrating to me because he's spent all this work making this the future. And then so much of the film technique is actually sort of a little bit retro to even where the state of where film was in 1995. And so it's, if he had made it less technical, it would bother me less because you would, it would just gloss over it. Yeah. But he's made it so specific. He has to be an expert on everything. Yeah. And you're like... <sighs> uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know. And so I just kind of half read it and go film stuff. Right? Mm. So is he I, counting on like most of his readers not understanding what he's writing? Well, and it makes me wonder, you know, he obviously loves tennis so much. But as we discovered with Lemon Pledge, like, can we trust him on tennis? Right. I mean, he speaks with such authority about all this stuff about tennis that I don't even read half of that. I'm just like, ugh. Matches and, I don't know. It's kind of annoying. Sorry. I'm not unique in this, but I really enjoy... I enjoy learning about something new, and I enjoy... There's a whole category of, like, TV shows and stuff that is, like, I enjoy watching people do interesting things well there's a eric and i watched like netflix has a, a canadian reality tv show about blowing glass what are you talking about? yeah and i i loved it i didn't know anything about blowing glass before i went into it and then i got very into the t- techniques of blowing glass and i loved learning all about it and so i'm primed i'm ready to learn about tennis so you're reading learning. it like well, you're going to absorb it. Well, I would love to, but it's so jagged and and meandering and that I'm not learning anything about tennis. And then the parts of 
what I am learning, I don't know if I can trust. There's this whole thing of you know, all the characters have like extraordinarily. So many of the characters have like a much bigger one arm bigger than the other. Mm-hmm. And I looked up <laughs> that. That's not true. And it's, there's been a very few. It's like slightly true for many tennis players. Like you have to look carefully, you know, that that you can see. But it's it. not as exaggerated. It's not exaggerated. It there's been a couple of there've been a couple of tennis players in the history for whom you can like. So is he writing that from like a place of he's kind of making fun of tennis players? I don't know. And all and how serious people take the game and. Like, is all of this detail just a big joke? Probably. It's on us. <laughs> okay, so we are reading this, but like, there are people out there who love this book. But do they love it because they love the joke being played on them? I mean... But people love this book. And, I don't know, like, if those people listen to this podcast, they'd probably have a lot of problems with us, right? Um, sure. Or they think we don't get it. And I'd love to know what we don't get. Maybe. I've held off from, like, doing... I, it feels sort of like like cheating? Or, like, I felt like this should be, like, alone. Like, we're just reading this book. And I felt kind of weird about using a wiki to help me understand things. But then I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to use it. And so I haven't done any, like, research onto, like, why people like it. Or... I did do a Google search, a loose Google search about racism in his writing or, you know, and there wasn't, there wasn't any, like a lot of, there wasn't anything about. Yeah, there was that one second, I I did a Google search and I found that one, somebody talking about that one section I really didn't like, I think it was in the first week, and they were talking about in a post-critical world, and I was like, no, I'm done, I'm done with this. (laughs) Post critical, where we just don't even think about things, and like we don't critique things, we just absorb them. I guess is a post critical world. I feel like any one time someone says post something, it's kind of not realistic. Right, like post cereal. Like how can it be after cereal? (laughs) Oh, he's been saving. Have you been saving that one? No, I just. I came up with that one on the fly right now. Must be the whiskey. Must be the whiskey. <laughs> I'm kidding. You. Yeah, I think you came I, up I don't. I, I'm trying to. I, I am looking up things about yeah, as a, DFW's life um, a little bit uh, to know what goes in, but I don't want to know other people's. I don't. I want to experience going through the book without any outside, without any in, outside influence about themes and stuff because it's going to be spoilery right yeah. any, crit- any good critical work is going to talk about the entirety of it and i want to experience that as much you know the way uh david foster wallace wanted us to get through it in a, in order i assume i assume i assume this isn't a giant dadaist experiment where you're supposed to just randomly start on a random page and oh, then work man. backwards or something i would be so mad it would drive me to like you get to page 600 and it says why didn't you just start here here's a simple plot outline (laughs) i have to pause and hold my head at the thought okay i don't have any notes do you want to keep going through your notes three more sections okay we we spent some time with poor tony kraus who... Poor Tony. He's pretty poor. That was the part where I was like, this person knows what withdrawal is like. Mm. I felt like there were some very, like, <laughs> all I wrote was page 302, withdrawal. I wrote withdrawal <laughs> hyphen vivid. And then I underwrote, <laughs> that, yeah, the same idea. That it was a very, it was a section that felt like it was written from yeah. some some real experiences. And, and then, yeah. And uh, that was the. I wrote notes for myself, like, we met poor Tony first with yours truly. He stole the heart. And then he stole the heart. And um, and that, surprisingly, I felt like that section, so poor Tony is also in drag, but he actually used the word gender dysmorphic in mm-hmm. there, and I was like, and it felt like an actual, maybe an actually reasonable portrait of someone with... With some sort of gender dysmorphia? Like, I don't know. Yeah. After some of the other stuff, that section didn't feel... I mean, it was exaggerated and, and ridiculous and spending two weeks in a 
in a um, in the a the, public toilet public having toilet withdrawal and, symptoms and having a paper towel shawl coming totally out. Totally realistic. Okay, it wasn't, but I guess it wasn't as bad. It was a tiny hair of like I don't know understanding or whatever in this massive knot. I'm not, I don't know the, I don't know the words to describe what I'm trying to say, but I don't think it's enough. And also in that section, I don't like the way he talked about whores. Mm. He like, he said something about, or maybe it was in another section where he was like, whores don't think that they're whores. They try and like pretend that they're something else. And it's like, <sighs> people go into the sex trade because they really want to be there. You know, like, no, of course not. Of course, these these are people who had to do that. You know, there's yeah. just this lack of sympathy or understanding about people that I didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of the flip of the Jeffrey Day section. Like, that's that question of, like, is 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 Jeffrey Day, David Foster Wallace, to a degree, or, you know, some of his experiences, and is and is the sympathetic, you know, we're inside the head of Gately, um, or... Is it not? Is it, did he not? There was some of this stuff I read in this article, which I'll try to find again and put in the show notes. Of like, you know, he had some reactions evidently while he was in recovery this first time that he was that he was like everyone here is an ex-convict. What am I doing here, an educated person? And he wrote this book not too long after those experiences, and or started writing it. I guess it took him you know several years to write it, but like it. Uh, yeah, I wonder if there's some of those attitudes to just the shock to, like, people of a different class and culture, like, that he are, are carried over into this. That just at, shocked attitudes, not not any sort of sympathy or understanding. Hmm. Show notes for our listeners. Yeah, people, all the, everybody <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, I don't know. So then there's a section that's about the class. Uh, I try to, I try to, I write down a page number and then I try to get like a page in and then write down a note of like what the section is about. So sometimes it meanders and I don't capture it. So I have this called ETA classes. It's a section that starts out about the different classes you can take. And then this is where we have the footnote that is 10 pages long. Okay. This is why I'm sitting here going, I don't know what you're talking about. ETA classes. Oh, it's the part that I was like trying to cram in when my brain was full. Sure. And I don't think the main section was actually that. It, I mean, it's about the different classes that are taught at the academy, the tennis academy, and it was not very compelling. Is that, that pointless? Yeah, I don't know. So that's that oh, footnote, boy. probably. That footnote, <laughs> end note, about Canadian politics, <laughs> where the two... Wait, that's what the end note was about? Right, it was about... It's the, where Hal is talking to Orrin? Yeah, where Hal is talking to Orrin and uh, trying to... Answer a question. This, I guess, is the section where uh, I think I falsely oh, attributed it to earlier. This is the you know in the end note. Helen, the reporter. I'm letting you go. Oh, I Over just here. wanted you to summarize it for me because oh, okay. I didn't read it. Okay, <laughs> you, wait, you didn't read the end note, or you... no? Oh, no! I told you I could not. You just couldn't do it. I I sent you a photo of how I felt. Yes. And Buzzy will post that on the blog. Am I allowed to? (laughs) All right. I just keep boring more rum Mm. as we keep talking. Because I just... It's an appropriate response. Keep needing to... So that you need to read this. I have to read... (laughs) You have to read... Oh, okay. Tomorrow, I guess I'll be reading this 10-page endnote. And I won't even get a head start on the next week's reading. Sad Mm. face. You don't have to read it, but I bet there will be a quiz. <laughs> there will probably... I, I can't... So this is a long <laughs> end note where the brothers are talking on the phone. And this is the section where the reporter is asking Oren questions about Canadian politics. And Oren wants to give her a good answer. And this is one of the few places in the book you know, where you, I agree with one of the characters where Hal is like... Why are you even entertaining this? Just tell her you don't care about Canadian politics. But they have an involved discussion about the Quebecois separatists. Why do I need to read this? Because I feel like Quebecois separatists are important. Because of the wheelchair assassins? Because of the wheelchair assassins. 
I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like I. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow I'll feel refreshed and I'll be like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm going to start again. New, new day. Okay, so. So then went back to what you did read. We, Mario, <laughs> and then the last section is, in this section is uh, Mario, Mario's story. We Which about. was very hard to read. Yes. Because it was so sad. Yes. And so kind of pathetic. Well, and that he's a lot more, we learn now that he's a lot more disabled than I thought he was. Physically disabled. Yes, physically disabled. But not necessarily mentally disabled, right? right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I think we learned that he's, yeah, that he's different. He's he's not. uh, Which even, like, you could say, like, oh, you're just looking at this with your two woke lens but like talking about like people with physical disabilities in such a way that makes them feel seem really pathetic well again and just isn't good just so exaggeratedly like the fact that he's that like any one of these that his hands mostly don't they're they're his arms are s-shaped his hands don't work he's blue gray like a dinosaur his, his teeth, feet are square his feet are square his uh teeth are all the same um and that and i guess i guess i he's he's mentioned this before his like head mounted camera but i never really thought about it but now the fact that we learned that he has this head mounted camera because he cannot hold a camera <laughs> it's just it's it's too much it's too much Pick, pick, it was, a, is that the, I'm going to incorrectly attribute it, but like the Dior saying or Chanel of like, you know, take off, look in the mirror and take off one accessory before you leave the house. Yeah. Um, you know, this is like, I look mean, at your character traits <laughs> and take off one, right? <laughs> Just like pick, so like, pick, we th- pick we three it. of the seven. <laughs> okay. So. The one thing about this section was that we learned that Hal feels like Mario. What what is it that Hal feels like Mario gets him or is more cognizant of like things that are going on? Yeah, that that, that Hal he under- looks up to his to Mario and thinks thinks both thinks that he's more in tune with things and thinks that their mother thinks that Mario is the specialer child. Oh, was that part of it too? Yeah. That's part of his, and we don't wait, really? Yeah. All right. Cause honestly, I kind of skimmed the last, (laughs) I might've skimmed this last part because I was feeling a little, but I believe you. Here, uh, despite himself and showing a striking lack of insight into his mom's psyche, Hal fears that Avril sees Mario as the family's real prodigy. Hmm. And it goes on from there. Of course, of course, that's one third of the sentence. Because no <laughs> sentence ever ends in this book. I think this book is one sentence. <laughs> okay, so there are sentences in this book. Since I'm in complaint corner, that. <laughs> <laughs> like the first third of a sentence, I'll be, I'll be like, that's a really good, like, oh, that's a really good observation. Oh, wait, this sentence isn't over yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oof. Okay, so, yes. And then I have one, I just have one more complaint okay. in this section. There's a footnote here. It's footnote 117. 117? Yeah. Where there's two footnotes where, so we flip back to the, to the footnote and it says, ellipses, Overshot the place to mention that Mario's head in perverse country. Blah, 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 blah. And then footnote 119, two, footnote, two end notes later, uh, dot, uh, ellipses also overshot the spot to include that Mario is a homodont. All his teeth are. Da, 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 da. I didn't read that. Well, and I, because you were, you were burned out on end notes by that point. I'm like, did you, you, you didn't write this in one sitting. <laughs> you overshot the place. You could go back. You could go back. You might have to retype the page if you wrote this on a manual typewriter. I hope in 1995 he was writing this book 
in some sort of word processor. They had word processors. They did. <laughs> uh, but even if even if he wasn't, even if you have to retype the page, go back and do that. Don't overshoot the place. Rewrite the chapter and put those two sentences in. Okay, so this is where I think that people who like this book find that funny. And they're like, isn't that hilarious and charming? This is why I love the book. Right? Oh, yeah. I bet. Um, okay, what did I want to say about this? Um, you know, maybe it's just this week. Maybe this was just a challenging section of the book to read. I didn't take very many notes because I just didn't feel like there was any point. The only thing that I found interesting about this section, is it like 100? How many pages do we read? 100? Uh, with the with the end note, yeah, I think so. Okay, whatever. A large, you know, a good section is what we learn more about Joel, Madam Psychosis. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing of interest to me. Oh, and we learn a little backstory about her family of origin, and her dad. Her dad invented X-ray specs. Yes. Which is just a joke. A joke. Yes. Which was funny. Okay. But it's not... But immersed in all this other bullshit, it's like, it doesn't even matter. Like, yeah, that's kind of a funny thing, but I don't know. I don't... (laughs) I just feel like... (laughs) Where's my graph? Your... What? What graph? Your chart of... My chart. It's not a graph. It's a chart. Fuzzy made us... The infinite infinite summer... Uh, reading schedule. Our reading schedule. We are at 32%. We are at 32%. Uh, 32% which of the way Which is almost through... a third. And as I talked about last week, we were at 24%, which was almost a quarter. We're now almost at a third. Look at that. We're <laughs> almost a third way through. That's a pretty good milestone. That's a sense of accomplishment. Is it? Okay. Here. This is what I got. New section. Fuck that end note. <laughs> okay. End note does, one. Does this replace thanks for the end note? <laughs> no. It's a new section. If you want to fuck that end note, what was it? 110? No. 100? I think it was, yeah, 110. Footnote 110. Fuck 110. Because it's just like, why do... Apparently I'm going to have to read it tomorrow, but okay. Fuck that end note. 110. I don't have any uh, complimentary endnotes like that for the endnote because I was very burnt out on reading this. The other thing is, even though I love learning new words and learning new things, the only word that I learned that I... Well, there were two words. The word was dewlaps, which is loose flesh under the jaws of a cow. Nice. Great word. We can use that all the time. <laughs> and the other word that I learned that stuck with me was done, D-U-N, yep. which is a color of gray-brown. Yeah, sort of brownish gray. Which is used to describe horses. I'm done. I'm out. Wait, you're, Drop the mic. Wait, you're done? <laughs> you're, br- you're brownish gray? <laughs> I'm brownish gray. Done. <laughs> I, I, I wrote down some words because you had told me to. Um, and I do what I'm told. Um, uh, but then I was thinking like done at least might be a word you could actually use because mm-hmm. you're an artist. You could describe a color and you could I, say all the words that like the words that appeal to me are very visual. Cause I wrote down, I'm going to say it wrong. Propitiate to win the favor of the gods. Mm-hmm. And then a few sentences later or in the same section, apotropiatic having the capacity to avoid bad luck. Oh, that's a good one. Right. But Who those are fucking, lovely. Like, I don't even know where that was. I have no con. Like, that was way at the <laughs> beginning in the section about <laughs> athlete superstitions. Wait, what is it again? Say it again. Um, well, I have no idea if I'm saying these right, but uh, propitiate, propitiate to win the favor of the gods and apotropiatic having the capacity to avoid bad luck. But so you would say that like slip that into casual no. conversation. Well, that's what I, that's like. what I was about to say. Yeah. There's no I'm never gonna be why why I notice you have a rabbit's foot there. How apotropiatic. <laughs> because you don't want to get punched. <laughs> 
Also, you have a rabbit's foot there. Are you 70? <laughs> lacuna is a gap. No, I, I love the word that. lacuna. I love the word lacuna. It was in um, Slade House. Did you read that? No. Lacuna, you're... Parents heavily into Slade House. They enter a lacuna. And I was like, I've been in a lacuna. I know what that is. Is it? Oh, I guess I didn't. Is a lacuna a physical? Like a. In Slade House, it's used as a place outside of time. Oh. So, like, becoming a parent kind of feels like a lacuna where you're in this gap between things. Right. Between not having children and then having your own life again. Uh, well, you just feel like a bunch of stuff has passed you by, and then you come out and you're like, wait, what happened? <laughs> I love that word. I will use that in casual conversation. Oh. As a threat. <laughs> the one I use in casual conversation these days that I probably shouldn't is liminal. Define. Uh, a liminal state is sort of halfway between two states. It's actually, I guess, similar to a, a lacuna, but sort of the notion of something that's on the edge of a, maybe like a spiritual experience, um, hmm. a liminal space. Hmm. How? And I use it a lot at work when I shouldn't because I like the, when I talk about <laughs> things that are not quite one thing and not quite another. Now I'm going to have to look up li liminal. liminal and see how it compares to Lacuna. Okay, so a friend of mine, Anna, God bless her if she actually makes it this far into the podcast. I Hi, shared Anna. with her <laughs> the, the, the link to our podcast. She has read this book, but she read it at the 10-year anniversary, and she said that there was no wiki. Like, she didn't read it with any assistance. And sure. she's like, I was very confused. And she's like, you probably have more, you know, insight into this than I did at the time. I can't remember why I brought that up. But anyway, Anna, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks, Anna. <laughs> why did I bring that up? A female who's read it. Did she enjoy it? Well, uh, she which, was just like, I was very confused by it. Like, I didn't I really understand a lot of it. That's our takeaway. Mm -hmm. Which, without the internet, yeah, totally. And I don't understand, like, how do people read this before they could look up all of this stuff? And are, are people who like this book thinking that they are as intellectual as D.F.W.? I don't know. And there is something sort of um, impressive about someone who writes this. Yeah, it's at least, it's, it's a physically <laughs> impressive act, okay. right? So I also like, want to know. Like it would take you a long time to just sit down and type <laughs> the word fart this many, a thousand pages of the word fart. That would be a physically impressive act. So the fact that he wrote actual words in very long sentences... I mean, it has just so many, like, throw-off references to, like, this refers to a poem, and this refers to this filmmaker, and this refers to the, you know, like, he obviously has an understanding of something or exposure to the stuff to be able to incorporate it into the whatever quote-unquote narrative that we're reading. I don't, I don't know. I'm... <laughs> I'm kind of at my wit's end. I'm not hitting my wall yet. Okay. But, you know, I'm enjoying being outraged. Mm. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to get mad at this book. Um, oh, the one quote that I have is, um, it's not even, I don't have a page. I couldn't ref reference it. But he was talking about withdrawal. no. I guess it was in the Ennett House when he was going into Ennett House, people in recovery, and he was saying, you can hear clicking in the clockless rooms. It just felt, I don't know, it just felt like a nice... That's a nice... Like, yeah, like, time moves very, very slowly sometimes. Also, I wrote down one sentence or section when it's from the perspective of some of the teens... 
but I think this is a very, I think this teens? is a, yeah, some of the tennis teens. Oh. Yeah. This is on page 267. Uh, it's... Though it's a, and it's talking about the character Shat, who's the one who is already bad at, is already not going to go on in tennis and is going to become with a dentist. Yeah, with the bad knee. Though Shat buys quarterly, quarterly urine like the rest of them, it seems to Pemulus that Shat ingests the occasional chemical the way grown-ups who sometimes forget to finish their co- cocktails drink liquor. To make a tense but fundamentally okay interior life, interestingly different but no more. No element of relief, a kind of tourism. And Shat doesn't even have to worry about obsessive training. But that phrase, grown-ups who sometimes forget to finish their cocktails drink li- liquor the way. Um, that That's a nice phrase. About, from a, from, I feel like that's very much DFW from a place where alcohol is very important to him. Hmm. was very important as an addict and then is sort of inversely important. It's a very nice observation mm-hmm. about other people mm-hmm. who can forget to finish a cocktail. Yeah. That yeah. I thought that was a nice. Yeah. Like there are these moments of very like accurate observations that you're like, oh, that's really great. But then it's like over. What's this? What am I doing here? An avalanche. It's it's covered over. It's uh, it's like, uh, yeah, with all this other bullshit where you're like, I don't even fucking want to write it down. I didn't even write a page down because I was like, who fucking cares? No one cares. Anyone who's listening to this, they don't care. Like, no one's going to look up like 302 to find the page. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) feel like that's an indictment of me saying the page numbers no no it's not it is not you should do that because it it makes sense no it doesn't make sense but thank you (laughs) no it does it does because it helps us feel like there's some order to the chaos there's not Mm. anything else did you have an end note that you wanted to call out? I think I did. I, I called out. I called out one ten. I called out. I called out in a bad way. The um, oh, I forgot to put this in. Oops, went past the part where I should have put this in. Like I don't know if I had a good footnote this week. Uh, that's not your fault. <laughs> Thank you. I had a good sentence, and I had a couple words I liked. Does that count? Yeah. All right. So next week, we're going to read from 316 to 390. It's only 72 pages. It's just 72 pages. It's just 72 pages. Don't freak out. No need to freak out. Now is the time that I, like, reflect on the fact that who, if you're not going to read this book, who would torture themselves with listening to this podcast? Well, that's going to be a great question. I'm sure Erica's not going to read the book, but she might listen to the podcast. So that's one. Dan. And you can ask her what she thinks. Dan was like, I'm not going to listen to that. I haven't read the book. And I was like, that's fine. But secretly, I was like, hmm, I'm not going to force you to listen to this podcast because I would never do that to anybody. But yeah, there's not a lot of motivation. My brother is halfway through the book. And keeps, and he started when we did. And he keeps texting me and saying, when's the, when's the next episode coming out? So I can, keep, when's the next Disco. episode coming out? <laughs> I see you, Disco. Why are you trying to show us up? We didn't have the book. Get out of here. He also, he just took some long plane flights. Yeah, so. let's give that to him. Yeah. Yeah, he just took some long plane flights. That's why he did it. I don't believe it. He's, hmm. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to show you up. Mm. He secretly thinks that our mother thinks that I'm the real prodigy. Okay. That's one other note that Even I want to make. I'm hideously disfigured. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have tattoos all over your body. Ugh, um, I'll be really fucking mad if they make uh, their mother into like the the monster in this because it starts off that them saying that what's her name av avril avril like is avril levine avril? A fine canadian name she's canadian 
Hmm. <laughs> Isn't Avril Lavigne Canadian? <laughs> is she? I don't know. I may have just slandered her. <laughs> I think she is. Oh, it's just hmm, the fine part. But um, Avril is like across the board supportive of all of her children and they make a point of being like I support you no matter what you do and it starts off as something that seems very positive but then Oren turns it into something that seems suppressive or it starts to become something that's like suppressive and I'm like you know what blame the mom go ahead your dad put his head in a microwave blame the mom but that aside also they Talk about Avril as being very attractive. Yes. I always pictured her in my mind as looking like Lena Dunham's mother. I don't know what Lena Dunham's mother looks like. It doesn't matter, but that's what I that's what I picture. I didn't ex- picture her as like some fading beauty. Hmm. So that's hmm. you right. wanna end on that? Well we'll find out we'll find <laughs> out, maybe. She's doing this so lightly. Compared to himself, that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Well, I guess she's it's sort of just, she's sort of an offstage presence. But it's always just like she's blame the to, mom. Yeah, blame the mom. she's well, a problem. I mean, it's probably true. Mothers are terrible. My mom. <laughs> yeah, is my, your mom listening? My to mom this? is not. My mom is not listening to this. Has your mom read? Wed? Has your mom? My mom read? reads a lot, but Infinite I do not think my mom. My mom is not going to read this. Are you and Disco going to like cue her in onto it and be like, "Hey, mom, guess what we're reading right now"? No, I don't. And then she would be like, "Well, my sons are reading it." She'd give it a shot. I bet she would. My mom's game. She she would give it a shot, and I think she would bounce off it. So because she's a feminist. Uh, Just because she values her time. (laughs) You can if you are listening to this but don't know what you're listening to, you can find Howling Fan Pod on uh, your whatever iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can go to terriblephotosofpeopleilove.com to find this episode and more. Thanks to Noogenix for our theme music. Thanks to Dave Stinton for the name. What episode is this? This is episode four. What? Yes. I thought we were on, like, episode nine. No, this is episode four. <laughs> We've got seven more to go. Or, no, wait, that's even wrong. I don't know how many we have to go. You know what, you. Anna may, may, you know what, Anna, God bless you if you've listened to four episodes. We have nine episodes to go. <laughs> Math is fun. Thirteen episodes. Thirteen episodes, and then it's done. All right. See you next week.